0: Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch.
1: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too.
2: Well, 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 well. Uh, We are joined in studio. Introductions aren't my favourite part of this show, Dan, but we are joined in person by, I was thinking about what what this, don't you laugh, don't start laughing, because people can see you, so it's not like this big reveal, Nat Medhurst, you're here, but I think this is the equivalent, we've done a lot of AFL guests, this is the equivalent of, certainly not in looks or stature, but Jason Dunstall. That sort of Huge. player. Well, we have a <laughs> we have a top we have a top we have a top ten player of all time in their sport in the studio. Nat Medhurst joins us. How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm good. Jason, Jason Dunstall.
0: Wow. <laughs> Everyone, anyone ever compared you to Jason Dunstall before? This is a first. Um, is a first.
2: It, you are our first lady guest. So congratulations on that.
3: Thank you. Great job on ticking that box. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's not exactly right.
2: I love that your attitude's like, look at these idiots. Oh, yeah, Yeah. we got a girl in. Great, you're done now. (laughs) Now, I I just want to roll off some stats here. I will do you an intro. So um, you played across four clubs in multiple, (laughs) multiple netball competitions, I might say. Netball we're going to touch on this a bit later but for mine like looking at it from afar I'm like what is going on like what what competition have you played in anyway you played <laughs> club netball across you played for Australia uh, 86 caps you had um, you won three back to back world championships a 3 Pete. you're a gold medalist in the commonwealth games uh, you, in terms of those 86 caps you are top 7 ever to have done that i think you're 7th on the list um, what am I missing here? You're just an absolute gun <laughs> of your sport, a genuine gun, and we are very happy to have you here.
3: Thank you. It's good to be here. It's great setup. Good to finally get to have a chat.
2: Uh, you are the par- – I've got to redress this off the top now. We've <laughs> got the first question we ask everyone, but you are the partner of Samuel Butler, who is a founding father of Backchat. It's very good to have the higher-performing – sports person (laughs) in that family on this podcast. Yeah, he's Do you want to give him a swipe on the way through? Yeah,
3: he's hating me at the moment. He's useless. (sighs) Um, I think Slob is probably a good word to use him <laughs> at the moment um, to refer to him, but no, um, it's nice to claim that title, so I'll, I'll run with it.
2: Nat, Her- Nat Medhurst, partner of Slob Sam Butler to start the, <laughs> the show. Slub. Now, the first question we ask every guest we ever have on this, and I asked you if you knew what this was, so it shows you're a big fan of backchat because you don't know, <laughs> <laughs> the, g- the greatest spawning moment you've ever had. Now, I've just told um. you about your netball prowess don't want to hear it, unfortunately. We know you're a great netballer. We've we, all played netball. Yeah, we've all – well, yeah, well. <laughs> you, you, I, <laughs> I have. You're yeah. a mixed netballer. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> we want to hear your greatest sporting achievement not on the netball court. You oh. can't have netball. Okay, that's too easy. Oh, yeah, I've won a Commonwealth game gold medal. Oh, yeah, cool, <laughs> Nat. Okay, world championships. Oh, la <laughs> So da We want to know, and I'm, I'm padding and pausing for you here. I know you're mind-sick thinking. What's your greatest ever sporting achievement? Not on the netball court.
3: Um, oh, first of all, I do listen back to you. I didn't realise this was the first question straight off because you, you've got your big cricket one, don't you? Yeah. And yeah. amongst <laughs> others, that's just the one that <laughs> everyone wants to talk that's about. That's the first person that's <laughs> ever known about that. So she knows <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> um, we love that. I, oh, I'm going to say it's still true. I'm going to roll with it, that yeah. I hold a... State school high jump record Under nines yes. A metre 30 I don't think I could do that now uh, I've got to ask
2: Was it the traditional Fosby oh, flopper you season around I was a flopper Really?
3: <laughs> yeah. Wow. High
2: jumper I reckon that's the second <laughs> yeah. or third high jumper We've had on What's Tom weird? Hawkins was a high yeah. jumper Athletes what are you, and high jumper What are you doing? What? I don't know You are a basketballer growing up weren't you? I Not was
3: Yeah no but I did little afts And basketball So I wasn't a massive fan of netball Growing up, but yeah. So was it a
2: state champion, high jump?
3: It was state schools, yeah, okay. in SA.
2: Okay, huge. Happy with that, Dad?
0: Yeah, it's like as tall as I am, so that's big. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, so let's get into it. So as I said, growing up, you didn't start playing netball till you in year seven. It's like yeah. late, late to you.
3: It is. Well, particularly now, um, because they have netball, generally most of them started about five. Um, as I said, I didn't really enjoy netball. I wasn't keen on it, but growing up in the country, you play everything. So I was little athletics, basketball. Um, that's probably where my big passion was. I thought I was going to go to America, meet Michael Jordan, play basketball. That was going to be my thing. I, that none of that happened. Yes. Um, even played a bit of cricket, um, when I was growing up and then, yeah, just started playing school netball in year seven, because my friends were, and so yeah, it was probably a bit later than normal.
2: What? So, would you describe yourself as a like a tomboy growing up? Like, oh, like massive women's sport tw- twenty years ago. It's not what it is now. No, right?
3: no. Nah.
2: And so, what's that like going through school? You're clearly a sports person, but you know, people didn't accept it twenty years ago.
3: Yeah, I remember. I was an absolute tomboy. I have old brother, two younger sisters, um, and just. For me, wanting to try and keep up with my brother was what I always wanted to do. Um, recess and lunch at school was always generally out at the basketball court with the boys or kicking the footy, playing cricket. Um, still the same in high school, got called a tomboy, all sorts of things. Um, but, yeah, it was just something I just loved doing, running around Um yeah playing sport so it's certainly a lot different now and i think the obviously as you're saying with ne- with women's sport there's so much more to play um yeah. And it just sort of starts all the way from when you first start school.
2: You you weren't always living the elite lifestyle though, Nat. You no. grew up in a family <laughs> that owned a pub. Yes. And your daily intake of food was usually pub <laughs> for breakfast, <laughs> pub meal for lunch and pub meal for dinner, correct?
3: Pretty much, yep, yep.
2: I've done my research yeah. here, Nat. <laughs> Feffy but, palmies.
3: But yeah, Budsy's been um, <laughs> <laughs> pam feeding you all the info. Yes, um, yeah, no, grew up in a pub. So mum and dad owned a pub and... Um, um, they own the where? Somerset Hotel in, well, they actually own one in Victoria where I was born. Um, You're a Victorian. Don't, yes. don't put that under your breath. You're a yes. Victorian. Yes, Victorian, born in Victoria, a small country town called Warrantybill. Um, they owned a pub there, the Royal Mail. I think there's about four pubs for, um, in four the people, town yeah. for about four people. <laughs> and then we moved to Millicent, which is a small town near the Vic border near Mount Gambier. So it's about four hours southeast of Adelaide. Um, they own the Somerset hotel. So we lived in the pub. Um, they owned it. So it was good fun, but yeah, it was pub meals. Did you, is that your first job?
2: Like working in the pub? Oh
3: yeah. Working in the pub. Yep. So, um, working in the kitchen, I swear my brother, he was working behind the bar (laughs) illegally. Pulling pints. (laughs) Yep. Pulling pints (laughs) or, um, in the bottle. So yeah, it was good fun. Those kids, you just used to, um, go, go wild. So if you start playing netball in year seven and you've,
2: you've, you've played a lot of sport growing up, when, when does it become like, I want to be a netballer or I want to be a sports person. Like I want to play sport for a living.
3: Um, to be honest, it actually probably wasn't really something that sunk in or that I really wanted to do until I was probably about 18 or 19. Um, I didn't, growing up in the country, I was very, I remember I was Called laid back, uh, also laid back. I was horizontal, so I just sort of no idea what was going on, Um, and yeah. And then when we then moved to the city, so we moved to Adelaide when I was about fifteen or sixteen, and that's when netball, um, I guess, sort of started to take over. But even then, because I wasn't exposed to elite netballers or elite sport like kids are now growing up in the country it wasn't something really that I was driven to try and achieve um, but yeah and I just sort of then went through and then when I was about 18 19 and um, I was with the SA uh, Sassy, so the SA Sports Institute um, and then Mar Gangove who was the head coach there and also head coach of the Adelaide Thunderbirds then said oh why don't you come out and do a preseason?" and then I thought oh, this isn't too bad um, yeah, and then thought, oh, maybe this might be all right. So this is
2: 2004. 2003, 2004. Yeah,
3: around then. Yep. So
2: 2004, you debuted for Adelaide Thunderbirds. You played for the Thunderbirds. You played for the Firebirds. <laughs> you played for the Magpies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you want birds. Uh, so you played for the Queensland Firebirds, 2010 to 2013. West Coast Fever, 2014, 2018. Collingwood, 2019 to 2020. So four clubs across three different competitions, yeah. I think. Yep. So we'll get back to the start again, but how's all that happened with netball? I mean, it's, it's it hasn't been this strong single competition with you playing for one club for your entire career. It's been a journey.
3: Oh, God, yeah. Um, well, I guess when I first started Adelaide Thunderbirds, as you said, it was a Commonwealth Bank trophy, so that was the first league I was a part of. Yes. Um, and I never thought that I was would leave Adelaide. Um, so I played there for six years and then um, me leaving wasn't, my decision that was the clubs or I'll say the head coach at the time.
2: Um can we not move on from, can we talk about that? So uh, yeah. like you were you were playing for Australia at the time. Yeah. When that happened. Yeah. And you were contracted and you're what? Sacked? What what, but, what
3: is it? Well I was out of contract, um and then I was told I wasn't a priority player for the club. Um And you're Australia playing for Australia. Yeah, Australia so that was 2009, um, end of the 2009 season. So then, yeah, 2010, I then moved to the Queensland Firebed. So that was pretty hard to take. And it wasn't nice because um, my life within the club was made quite um, horrible. Mm. Um, so it there was um, – which was started by the coach, like rumours just um, – Chaining players against you and all of those sorts of things. So um, yeah, it wasn't a fun thing to sort of, um, I guess, be forced out of what I saw was my home at the time. Do
2: you look back at that uh, with a positive mindset, moving to a club that maybe appreciated or accepted you more than given that you finish at Adelaide and they're treating you like shit? Like, (laughs) is it is it good to move on? Then you know, see you later. Like. I'm going to continue playing for Australia. I'm going to continue being a champion of the game.
3: Yeah. um, It was... Obviously, at the time, it was pretty hard. Um, I then moved to Queensland. Um, my then partner at the time, he stayed in Adelaide. So, that I was up there on my own for the season, which that was a bit to na- navigate. But um, going to the Queensland Firebirds, the coach at the time, um, Rosalie Jenke, she was a new coach as well. Um, she was also assistant coach with the Australian Diamond. She was phenomenal. Um, just complete chalk and cheese between the two right. coaches um also the shooting coach at the Queensland Firebirds was a lady called Nicole Cusack who was a former Australian player um and just working under them and the environment was yeah it was it was really quite refreshing but it was still I think the stuff that happened at Thunderbirds um unfortunately probably triggered a few mental health then issues and yeah. um which was then things that amongst whilst I was enjoying my netball a whole lot of other things that were then sort of going on underneath.
2: It seems crazy that that can happen in a professional sporting organization, that sort of stuff.
3: Um yeah, but unfortunately it happens all the time and I think what made it even sadder is um what happened to me at Thunderbirds then happened to other players in the years that then followed. Um and yeah, I remember when it happened to me at the time and talking to some players and they obviously didn't understand it or didn't realise exactly what had happened and then it happened to them. Mm. Um, And so now there's like this little (laughs) (laughs) little group. Welcome to the (laughs) club. Yeah, welcome to the club. That's pretty much what it was like. And I know then even being at Collingwood, um, then there's players or even staff members there that have gone through the same thing with the same individual. So the – it's the club's still well, that that group or club, as you're saying, is um, still growing.
2: If we keep to the start of your career, was it financially viable to be a netballer? At
3: <laughs> you kidding? No, no, no,
2: I, I don't know. No, so still, I think I know, but I've still got to hear from my here.
3: first contract from 2004. Um, it was a thousand dollars I was paid to a play. Game. <laughs> 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 yeah, funny. Um, <laughs> um, no, for the season. A thousand dollars. A thousand dollars was this was the signing. Um, I was then you were then given a match fee, which I think for me it was hundred and twenty five dollars, but you only got that money if you paid more than played more than a half of netball that you gosh got that. Um then The contract also outlines things like um, you got two pairs of shoes. So this is what was – obviously now as elite players, that's just a given or you've got your own personal contracts with brands or whatnot. Um, But that was built into your contract that you got physio, that you got a gym membership to be able to do your weights and your training. You were given X number of rolls of strapping tape. Wow. Um, Yeah. It's – you you look at it now and obviously – from yeah, from where we were to where the players are now, and it's yeah, you just can't believe it. that's a, what it was like. Was there
2: a facility? Like, did you have a did you have a training base?
3: Yeah. So Netball um, SA were really lucky that they had their own facility. Um, I Can't remember what it's called now. It's Netball SA Stadium yeah. <laughs> or Good. something inventive. Thunderbird um, Stadium. Yep. Um, at gyms we used to use wherever we could, whether it was a recreational gym or sometimes um, sassy. I know then Adelaide Thunderbirds also had an alliance with Port Power, so we'd sometimes train out there. Um, but, yeah, so a lot of netball clubs don't have their own facilities or their own courts, so they have to hire the, hire them out.
2: Still now? Yeah. Professional or?
3: Uh, yeah, so I think the Melbourne – I believe the Melbourne Vixens don't – own their own venue yet, so they're still technically hiring that out to train at the state netball centre.
2: What sort of in comparison? Okay, you got paid a thousand dollars, which is just crazy. So I assume you had you had to have another
0: job. Yes. Yeah. So how many hours were you required to be thunderbirding like an, a week?
3: Um. So it's. Oh, I'm just trying to think what we were doing. We we're probably still doing. You wouldn't be doing anything less
2: than what you would have done for your career, would you? I mean, just pay less.
3: Yeah. To be honest, it was probably a little bit less um, because girls, there was more of an emphasis on girls having to work or do study. Yeah. Um, so you were generally training either first thing in the morning and you were getting out by sort of 7.30, 8 o'clock so that girls were able to get to work um, or then training after hours from like 6 to 8.30, 9 o'clock or whatever. A bit to almost similar to what AFLW were doing now. Yeah. So we were more like that when I first started, whereas now… Well, when did um, that change? Um, it changed, oh, probably when the, when it became the ANZ championship, I think it really started to shift in terms of that, um, professionalism and the increase in dollars and all of that sort of thing. So when we merged with the New Zealand league, um, that's when it really started to change and more money started to come in. So it
0: was basically like
3: you've, you have a full-time job, you fit in netball when you can around it. Yep. Yep. Pretty
0: much. And uh, right
2: now, is, is every player in the league full time? Or would, would there still be players running around now that have secondary jobs for, um, to finance themselves?
3: Yeah, no, there's definitely girls who still work. Um, the minimum wage is around the, well, a bit under 40 grand. Is that like a rookie? okay? Like um, like a- no, and it's not some girls that are on that if they've been in the system for a couple of years. Right. Um, so and that are twelve month contracts. So um, yeah, there's on thirty grand. Yeah, so there's girls now who are still trying to work or study. Um, but it's hard because initially in our the players agreement we used to have the hours between ten to four blocked off so that girls could study and work. Um, now clubs they have to ask their players, but they say oh well rather than bookending your days with training, we'll are you happy to train longer in the day so you might be there so i know at collingwood we were often there at um training might start at say six thirty in the morning you're not getting out till one o'clock in the afternoon um so that then becomes quite difficult to actually properly do any form of employment or study around that what were you doing for a job at the time um, so, I worked when I first started. Um, I did, a, there was a couple of different jobs that I did across those first few years. So, um, one was in retail. I also worked with Netball SA as a junior development officer. Um, also, I was there for a little bit as a receptionist. But um, yeah, so yep. particularly working in Netball was when I first started was good because obviously they're aware of what your career or, you know, what else is going on and can manage things if you needed to.
2: So, you win your first world championship in 2007 so you debuted 2004 you played for australia and win your first of three in a row 2007 you make me like i'm wrong nah, <laughs> right. no nah. right, nah, nah, yeah, you're right <laughs> so you go from getting a thousand dollars a year to play so i'm assuming probably not too much more in 2007 but you're playing for your country
3: yeah um it was pretty crazy that It went that sort of quickly. I made my debut in 2007 for the Aussies um, and I think it worked in my favour. There was a um, military coup in Fiji which is where the World Cup was meant to be held Mm. mid-year and because of that they ended up um, pushing out the World Cup to end of the year and changing it to New Zealand so... Making my debut in 2007, it also probably gave me a bit more time to be in that environment and have an opportunity. Um, and then, yeah, made – got selected for World Cup, which I couldn't believe. Um, at that point as well, Diamonds, I don't think we were really earning much um, to play, or if really anything at that point. Right. Um, yeah, so it was was quite quite an interesting time. Is that is that the
2: – Pinnacle or is Commonwealth Games – is, is a world championship the pinnacle or is a Commonwealth Games gold medal the pinnacle of netball?
3: No, nah, World Cup. Um, obviously netball, we don't have the Olympics and Commonwealth Games is um, probably the other the other big one. But I'd say if you spoke to most players, they would certainly put the World Cup ahead of con games.
0: Is there a um, movement – for uh, players moving teams to try and get sort of in the eyes of national selectors or so the international? Because I know obviously like some of the coaches are the, then the coaches of the Australian team. So like is there sort of like I, I should try and move to say Queensland where I might get seen a bit more?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It was quite interesting because at the end of the season just gone, you had 80 players who were off contract because the p- players agreement hadn't been – Finalized yet? So every single player was off contract, and there was so much movement. And the longest contract you can only sign is two years, so right. that's probably why there's well a lot of movement while I played for four clubs. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, but no, definitely, particularly when it comes because these two years, com games and World Cup back onto each other. Yes. Um, so you do players have that mindset if to either make the Aussie squad if they're already there, then what? is the best thing for them to obviously try and make a team and particularly a World Cup or Com Games. And um, I know a lot of girls would have been thinking about that around their decisions when they were off contract at the end of 21, where they were going to go to. And I'm not sure some of them have probably made the best decision. Really? But,
2: yeah. Uh, and where does a premiership, where does a league premiership sit in that? Because you've won one premiership? Yep. Where does that sit in the rank of things that you want to do as a netballer?
3: Oh, massive. I think, you know, for playing for the club, particularly for us with how it all works, it's where you spend, you know, 90% of your time as a player. Mm. Um, and that environment, you, you're giving so much of yourself to it. And as you know, winning premierships is pretty um, amazing, pretty special, they're hard to come by. Um, yeah, so certainly winning one is, um, yeah, the ultimate. It's, it's pretty special.
2: Um, you've been, uh, I don't know if it's the, what is it, Netball? you've been the president of the Netball Play Association, what's it called? What's the? What's the Amper. Amper. Yes. So you've been president, you were president for two, three years. Oh uh, yeah, about two so years. So interesting that you may have been <laughs> one setting the contract times by the sound of things. Or what sort of, you know, this is towards the back end of your career, but... You know, I've I've always respected you from afar, and now you know uh, you're the partner of one of my best mates. So I clearly <laughs> know a bit more. But you know, I've always seen you as someone that's been honest, especially externally in the media, opinionated. And I don't, don't say that in a bad way. Like you like, you know, you say it, you know, call a spade a spade, and you offered your opinion. So was that a national a natural you know progression into that sort of a role where you're effectively leading the players? You, you're the you're the forefront of player thoughts and. Feelings, basically.
3: Yeah, it was quite interesting the progression to get to that role. I remember I just started in the Diamond Squad 2006, and that's when the Players Association had sort of started to emerge. We were aligned with the Workers Union at the time, right? Um, and the players, the senior players of the Aussie squad, were like, "Oh, we need some young players," and they're like, "Nat, you're going to go, you're going to be our the delegate." Um, the young delegate. And I thought I'd been completely thrown under the bus <laughs> being the shit kicker. And um, so that's – I had basically been a part of the Players' Association as a delegate in some form from it's 2006, basic, almost, yeah, um, very early on. So um, – and then it just continued as I then moved from club to club um, and getting probably more of a understanding of how it all worked and and things and, as you said, being someone that was – wasn't afraid of having a voice and um, and that sort of thing and then, yeah, ended up as um, president, which when we finally then merged out on our own um, and then created the board. So it was um, certainly eye-opening um, and obviously the things that certainly have transpired over the last couple of years has kept it interesting.
2: Is that something that's been natural to you as a person, just, you know, saying it how it is or...? Is it something that you've had to grow into when you get a role like that in leadership? I mean, you've been a captain of your club as well, so leadership's not foreign to you. But is it saying something that's developed, or
3: oh, it's certainly something that's developed to some degree. But I also think it's come a bit natural. I think, um, I God, I even remember sitting in the car with my dad one time, and um, I was quite young, and he's like. If you've got a problem with someone, he goes, just be like a bloke. He goes, have it out, like talk about it. He goes, you might have a bit of a punch up. He goes, but then you're going to be mates. He's like, rather than girls that sit and bitch and complain and do nothing. And so I was like, okay, obviously there's no fist <laughs> fights, <laughs> but is <laughs> <laughs> um, he, it held true? It's yeah, I think. And I, at the end of the day, though, there's a way in which you can, if there's something that you do want to talk about or express, there's a way. In, a right way of doing it with still being able to get an opinion across or share your thoughts or whatever it is and then it's done and if people agree or you can come to a resolution or whatever great or you just then you move on um i i'm not a fan of all the yeah the bitching and complaining and everything and then no one actually doing anything about it you have
2: you have sort of not been alone in that but you you stand out from the crowd a bit in that sense like I mean, you just said it yourself. Is that a is that a female thing, or is that a, I feel like that's just your personality, though, whether you're a man or a woman?
3: Um, yeah, it's probably my person. It is probably my personality. There's just um, not a, there's
2: not a lot of people that I you know there's not a lot of females playing netball that I see with opinions like you. Yeah.
3: No, um, and I think that I think there's certainly some players that are, but as you would know, when you're playing as well, a lot of the time you feel a bit. Hamstrung in terms of being able to have a voice because you are worried about what the repercussions are, and I know sometimes people have asked even coaches like, "I'll oh, give us your feedback on X, Y, and Z," and you do that, and they hate you for it, and it's like, well, "Hang on, you just asked me for my feedback," so <laughs> like, well, <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> what, 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 what do you want? Um, so that then just really frustrates me rather than. Um, yeah if something's fantastic great I'll say it and on the other hand if it's there's something that I think we could do better then I'll say that as well and for me I think it comes from a point from caring and I'm talking to Catherine Harvey Williams from the Players Association just recently um, with everything that's been going on I said I just want from my perspective I want to see our sport be better I don't want it to um, stay where it is or certainly go backwards which some you kind of feel maybe it is at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I want the players to be respected and, you know, be getting what they deserve.
2: Not getting paid $1,000 a yeah, season. Yeah, exactly right. So let's go back to you. I've, I've gone too broad. I want to pull it back to okay. Nat Medhurst, <laughs> the player. So you're a goal attack yes. throughout your whole career?
3: I start can, – can, can
2: you tell like, – because like, I don't know how many Netball listeners we have, but I need some explanation around the role. Why you were good at it What makes a good goal attack Why you were never a defender
3: Because I'm not an idiot <laughs>
2: Come on now I'm not on back chat You can't be calling defenders idiots
3: Oh but you in. Know, I have that typical out All forward, the time like Typical <laughs> Oh here we go yeah, Look at me There we go um, You guys couldn't handle What we do Oh yeah um, What just,
2: just Just get everything Given to you And just you know Kick the goals Yeah. The goals no You guys take one no, Intercept or no, one punch And yeah, you're there you go. glorified this is, this is Yeah proper forward <laughs> back. <batman. laughs> T- tell, tell me about the position and, and why you played there, why you were good at it, what makes a good one?
3: Um... Well, back to your very first question. I didn't start off as a shooter, so I actually started off as a defender and then I saw the light and went, right. Of course yep. you're a defender.
2: <laughs> you, you, I'm sorry, Nat. You can't have the personality and attitude that you have without playing in the back line. You you, you are a back woman, I'm telling you right now. You just don't know it.
3: Okay. You forge a uh,
2: career as a forward, but you're. I can tell you're a back.
3: Um, so it's easy. It's an easy job. Um, and then I... Played a little bit through centre, not much, and then, yeah, ended up as a shooter. I don't know how. I think growing up country, you just sort of got thrown everywhere and as you're doing netball, it's big on – you play every position and um, and all those sorts of things. But, yeah, I'm not too sure exactly how I settled in as a goal attack, I th- possibly because of basketball and I was always a sh- shooter or um, shooting goals there. Um, and then – Yeah, what was the rest of your question?
2: What makes a good goal attack? Why why were you good at it? Um, I've I've seen you rev you you, not apparently you revolutionised the way goal attack was played, and I think I've
3: who said that was that? uh, Well, I'm saying it it right
2: now. No, you did. I've 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 seen it, and from what I've looked at, I think it's true. So I'm just wondering, from your point of view, what makes a good one? Like what?
3: Um, You're one of the
2: best to ever do it.
3: I think for me. Um, I didn't uh, – to be honest, I didn't have a lot of athletic attributes. So I wasn't quick. Um, I wasn't didn't have a lot of power, so I wasn't good in the air. I had a good engine. Um, people think I'm quicker because of my timing. So my biggest strength would have been my – Court smarts, and I think as a goal attack and probably any attacking position, your ability to be creative, to set plays, to see what's going on—that was my biggest strength. And I had to change my game because the shooters, as well, the sport evolved, and particularly with getting in these huge six-foot-plus shooters. And I know in general society I'm actually quite tall, but on a netball court I was midget. So even for a goal attack. And so I think that was something that really played into my strength, my ability to see what was happening to sometimes, dare I say it, almost a couple of plays ahead so I could find the space. I think that made me appear quicker than what I actually was out there on court. Um, And so that then allowed me to probably stay playing for as long as what um, I could.
2: What's the relationship like between um, goal attack and goal shooter? So, again like without breaking down netball rules, it looks like there's a big partnership between the two they are allowed to shoot on goal because yep. there's only two people that can shoot, right? Yeah. You two. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an important connection, I yeah.
3: yeah, no, absolutely. And I was lucky with the girls um, around me from when I first – Started at Thunderbirds. I was a player called Kristen Heinrich, who any real netball nuffies would know. Um, and we, back then as well, that was very different because we were both quite a moving shooting uh, shooting circle. So um, that was really great. I then moved to Queensland, um, and that's when the tall shooter thing started. So with Romelda Aiken, who's tall, giant Jamaican. I don't know how tall she is, yeah. but she's 190-odd centimetres, 98 centimetres. Um, then Janelle Fowler at Queensland... Uh, here at West Coast Fever and then even in the Aussie Diamonds, Caitlin Bassett. So that connection was really important and I think for them, to be honest, they don't really have to do too much. But for me, I found my job was trying to set them up as much as possible to help get them in the best position. I never cared how many goals I shot, whoever shot them as long as we were winning. Yeah,
2: so I was going to ask, because they can't leave the D, can they? And uh, the the, They've got a whole third oh, They can, they can okay. go out oh, that okay. circle But It always seemed like uh, Are they the Big dog Are they the finisher no, And the can. goal attack Is the You know The, the Robin to their Batman Or Like what, <laughs> a, little, a little bit what, What's the Like are they Yeah Do you know what I mean Like are they yeah. the full forward And you're the centre forward Or how does that work From In sets?
3: traditional netball Obviously netball The way in which the game's played With the introduction of new rules Has changed it a bit But Generally speaking, like, yes, so your goal shooter is like your full forward, the the big dog. Um, And they're generally a lot easier to be able to target um, because they are generally so so big. Um, Yeah, so you just sort of roam around them and and do what you need to do to to help get goals.
0: What about the um, goal defence then? Because you're always playing on that same person right so would you just have i mean with footy it sort of moves around a lot but these players are playing the same position every week so are there certain um people that you just like can't stand because you see them so much because <laughs> they're not like swapping bibs around during the game
3: oh yeah no there's definitely defenders that um you either didn't like or you just hated yeah hated <laughs> um there were some though that hated them for different reasons just because maybe they were idiots or because of the way how good they were and so you just always knew that you were in for a really good battle. Um, and so I really liked them. There was a player who I played with in Aussies, Julie Corletto, and she was an absolute freak of an athlete. Um, we grew up playing all our netball together and just always loved coming up against her. But it was good fun as well. So there were players like um, – there was one girl I used to play against her name was Rebecca Bully, and she was someone who you could sort of – Talk to a little bit um, because she could get quite frustrated. But I also hated playing against her because she was just so body on and had these bony elbows. And so I I bruise like a peach. So I would come (laughs) out of games, (laughs) hate in bruises. Um, But, yeah, she was also good as well because you could sense when she was getting frustrated. So you could just drop a few things and... Typically. You're a bit of a yeah. shit talker on the court. Oh, I'm not really a shit talker, but you could just say Typical things cuz you could get her there. you could see that she'd be getting frustrated at umpires mm-hmm. or another defender or whatever it was. So you could just say What things. sort of, what sort
0: of things are you telling her?
3: Um I'm, I wasn't really a trash talker, but just um if she'd be complaining to the umpires, then you'd just say something to her about been about her whinging and getting on with the game and stop stop pointing just, things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, calling her. Yeah, yeah. The,
2: the umpire player relationship. I just get so many questions when I speak about things. The, the, the umpire player relationship seems different to most other sports. It's very authoritative, and and you know, there's no argue. You know, one with like there's no arguing. So people talk about umpire dissent in the AFL. There doesn't <laughs> seem to be a lot of dissent in the netball, right? Because if you do penalty against. Very whistle happy as well, netball umpires. Like, there's a lot of whistles going on in netball.
3: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, a
2: lot of fouls, a lot of, pe- like, there's a lot that.
3: Fouls. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Is that wrong?
2: Yeah. Okay, perfect. What are they called?
3: Uh, contacts. Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> Obstructions, one. Obstructions, yep, yeah, yeah. good work. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, there, well, how's this? So, there was one years ago, back in the old Commonwealth Bank Trophy League, there was a player. She was captain, she was Australian captain, Catherine Harvey Williams. She was sent off the court by the umpire because the umpire felt intimidated by how she looked at it
0: holy <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah all right well i've got to share my story
2: so that was a
3: long time Neville's come a long way since then umpire descent
0: with their eyes
3: yep so it was sent off and so you can <sighs> um but players umpires can send the players off the court so we've seen it, it's happened it hasn't happened this year happened it happened last year. It has happened recently. Um, it's happened in World Cups where players have been sent off the wow. court for a few minutes. Um, generally, it's the done because out. the.
2: Yeah, is it like a time thing?
3: Basically, but, yeah. yeah. So it might be for two or three centre passes or um, right. a couple of minutes. So, uh, are you
2: playing a player down? Or yeah, seasonally? so
3: no, you can't, unless it's the centre. So you are always playing a player down. But so if the goal attack, if I got sent off, they have to play without the goal attack. Wow. If the – Because. The play always starts with a centre pass. So if the centre got sent off, then you're allowed to shift a player to centre, into that position, but you're, position, still, but you're still playing one down.
2: Wow, I, that's a big disadvantage in netball. I mean, yeah. it's all about one on ones all over the court. So you suddenly have an extra number. Like, yep. I feel like you can just go pop, 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 yep.
3: pop. Yeah,
0: I um I played mixed netball at Loftus Rec Centre. Here we go. Yes, and there's always
3: a
2: way
0: that this you lady <laughs> Maureen was the
3: there's always a few of them in netball
0: this um this um (laughs) this umpire and uh she was yapping at me all game because I didn't really know the rules and I said I'm sorry I'm trying to learn like I'm trying to figure it out (laughs) and she was calling everything and I asked her can you explain that call and she um uh said something narky to me and I was like we don't need to talk to one another like that and I sort of went back at her and then at the end she she said that she was going to suspend me because I was intimidating her and I was just <laughs> I was just asking her the questions and then I went to the other referee and I was playing them off each other and I was like what's with Maureen she's like yeah she's always like that <laughs> so is there like this chip on umpire's shoulders like that or is it just a Maureen thing is,
3: yeah <laughs> like- maybe a Maureen thing no i think um obviously, at our level, it's very different it's and the sport is so highly contested as well now um and but i think the umpires obviously have a pretty tough gig I think the thing that frustrates the players is that f- because it is so many of the rules are up to interpretation, so even from umpire to umpire and within your game, you can get umpires that will interpret the exact same play completely differently, so some might call it a contact, some might cool let the play go so that is what a big part that then I think frustrates the players um with Mm. what's going on out there because yeah as I said just whatever happens from one end to the other with you depending on what umpire you have you can just get a completely different call
2: people think that it's a non-contact sport how would you respond to that bullshit (laughs) (laughs) why it's it's it's, no
3: so it is it's it's now, at our level, it's a contested sport, um, but that's the thing. You can have two players going for the ball and two, they might completely take each other out and it's play on. Um, so there's a lot of body on, there's holding, there's a lot of stuff that happens off the ball as well that umpires don't see. Um, but yeah, there's you get hit all the time when you're taking balls and you just have to either try and Stick your landing or get rid of it before you're done. For then you get called for stepping or whatever it is. So you know it's it's very physical. The girls now the emphasis of um, gym training is huge for the players.
2: This might have been you. I just thought of it just then, and I and it's come to me as I'm as I'm listening to you speak. One year at West Coast, we had some West Coast fever girls come down to training <laughs> with the back line only. <laughs> And teach us about footwork, right? And so as a footballer, yeah. it, it's just, I'm not going to sugarcoat you think, oh, some netballers come to teach us about football and footwork. Like, awesome. This would be, this'll be a, an afternoon i never get back in my life. <laughs> Seriously. Anyway, the Fair. girls came down and just taught us a new one. It might have been, I don't know. Just the footwork. It was like we did some drills that you guys would do. And it was – we were so far out of our league within, in terms of the way you girls move your feet and the way your body position. And it was, it was. I think it was a couple of defenders and a couple of attackers because it's all about that, right? Your body positioning and where you, you know front shoulder, back shoulder, so, side front. And so we did some drills. It was when Brownie was down there and, and Shay <laughs> was playing, and like I just remember coming away going completely mind mind respect levels from. <laughs> <laughs> not zero, but just like I am a, I am a piece of shit and netballers are genuine guns at your craft. Is that right, the footwork yeah. element?
3: Footwork's huge. Um, and everything that we do is – because when you look at the space that the players yeah. have to work in and as well particularly the mid-quarters, so they've got lines, curved lines and things where they're not allowed to go offside. Yes. Um, you've got someone riding you generally the whole time. So often a lot of our drills are done in this tiny square box to get away from players. So, yeah, the footwork is phenomenal, Um, so agile. And some of the players are so insanely quick. Like I don't know how they get free still watching them in the space that they do with someone basically guarding that whole entire space. And as you said, then the other big one is around your body positioning because – you're then also having to get the ball in um, a confined area, and because as well.
2: it was it was because it was so small. That's why it was so good. It was you know, and, and putting that onto the footy field, it was enormously helpful because if you can do it, if you can do it in a shoebox, yeah. like <laughs> you can do it out of a footy field, you have got to get 50 meters to do it. And yeah, I just I, I, I'd forgotten, but I remember coming away from that with so much respect for you know what your girls do. Um, can we go back on the world champs? So 2007, 2011, 2015, threepeat four Australian Diamonds. Tell us about that Like you're at the top Of your game You win three in a row Like It's incredible
3: Yeah um, Couldn't I still now Don't even really believe That I was a part of that Um, Every single World Cup Was so different In terms of it Experience And I think my mindset As well. So 2007, I was just like, oh, wow, like (laughs) this is cool. What's this? It's a
2: debut season. Yeah,
3: exactly. Um, So just sort of pumped to be there and like sitting on the bench was an absolute thrill. And then we beat, to beat New Zealand in New Zealand in a World Cup is huge. Um, Obviously, that rivalry was absolutely massive. And that was my first, I'd watched previous World Cups where that had happened. Um, But to be a part of one and actually really understand what that rivalry was about um, was phenomenal. 2011, um, Singapore, incredible experience into extra time to win by one goal. Um, I also, at that point, Sherelle McMahon, who was our captain, um, she'd gone down, she'd snapped her Achilles just leading into the World Cup. So I was still probably the backup goal attack and then became, I guess, the number one. Um, so that for me being that sort of player um, and having that role was huge, and then yeah, two thousand and fifteen to win on home soil was was pretty incredible. Um, again, against New Zealand, I think they only won by three goals, and and then it was after that as well. I think I found out I'm one of eight who have done done that. So um, to be a part of a pretty sm- impressive group's pretty cool.
2: Like I said, Jason Dunstall, <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> no like I, I just to, to win to win three world championships for your country winning one great like you said but to do it in a row it means you're a part of a dynasty effectively and it's every 4 years it's not every year like to be able to keep coming back to the well over a period of over 10 years just um you know is it perseverance or is it consistency or is it determination like for you personally
3: um uh, is it definitely culture? I don't know what um is it? The cu- the culture changed throughout all of them, yeah, but no um, I would say for me, yeah, determination. Um, I think at the start, obviously, for everyone, the reason you get your opportunity may be f- for different reasons. Um, I think I obviously f- was incredibly lucky to have that opportunity, but to then to keep it and to, as you said, to be a part of it, then for another four another four years again after that. Um, I guess I have to put that down to a lot of it down to me and and my um, work ethic, my ability to not get injured, which Butsy absolutely hates me for because <laughs> Sam <he's> Butley, <laughs> the
2: most injured man in the history of the AFL, and
3: I really did not get an injury throughout my entire career. So, so he's good. still even now, if he does something, he's like he's like well, you wouldn't know what this feels like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Do you, you just
2: tell him maybe you didn't look after yourself? Yeah, properly? pretty much. More the, the yeah. elite athlete here.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, as I said, I think big one work rate and just um, for me as well. I loved working hard and challenging myself. Um, it was pretty. I loved pre-season, weirdly, um, and just really seeing what I was capable of, and and then that thrill of match day to to win was was pretty awesome.
2: So, I spoke about you getting moved on from the Adelaide Thunderbirds. Sorry, I don't know a better word to use than whatever one's up. Yeah, I said, I said sacked before, and shafted, <laughs> moved on. So, if we can go to another period in your career, 2018, lose the grand final. For, sorry, yeah, that, I, let's forget I said that. Uh, you've you, you played in the grand final, and it, something happened. <laughs> you lost. Uh, but then you've got a, an option period on your contract effectively yeah you'll know this better than i do uh and then that doesn't get taken up again
3: yeah yep what's that like um no it was horrible so i had signed a three-year deal um in my mind it was always a three-year deal with west coast fever i had no intention of going anywhere um and there was a opt-out clause for either party um and as i said my full intention was to stay. And it wasn't until reading it after that there was actually meant to be a month, uh, month's notice from either party if that was the case. Um, it's like an, it's
2: an employment contract effect. Yeah.
3: Um, I was told one day before the contract expired that I was not wanted by the club and did not see it coming at all. I ended up actually peeing. So we'd played in that grand final. Um, I remember on the Monday – because what happens is the league puts out a list um, at the end of the season of all the players who are off contract to all the clubs so then the clubs know who they can approach. And I started getting some messages from um, some of the coaches of other clubs and it was just, oh, like, oh, bad luck and blah, blah, you know, you're not sure what you're doing next year. And I was like, I'm playing for West Coast Fever, like, whatever. And what is this? I'm like, this is a bit weird. And then a few days later we had the um, awards dinner, Fever Awards Dinner, and I knew that one of the other girls, um, because with the contracts there's generally only – there was only like three shooters that were signed. And Janelle had signed, um, and that night I found out – one of our younger shooters had signed a one-year deal. And then the next morning after the awards dinner, I got a text message from one of the players, a player in Melbourne, just going, oh, I've heard um, Alice teague Neil, who's at the club now, has signed with Collingwood. And I was like, what? I'm like, what's going on? Like, yeah. this is just all weird. And so I ended up basically piecing it together myself that um, a meeting that I was having with the club on the Thursday evening um, was to them to tell me that they – weren't going to continue with me the following year. How was so, that meeting? Oh, it was horrible. Um, and as I said, because it was just the way in which it was done to give me one day. Um, and during that week, clubs were signing people, so I literally was then without out of job.
2: Right. Because um, yeah, people had to jump on you effectively because you weren't looking for another yeah, job.
3: Yeah, um, so I had no – and most of the clubs had started – Filling up all their lists. So, um, yeah, it was horrible. And just as I said, because I had no idea, I'd just bought, I'd bought a house um, a bit earlier, a few months earlier um, over here, and just had no idea what I was going to do because I just, there was no um, forewarning that it was coming. That
2: reeks of unprofessionalism by the club. So, 2018 is the year that the salary cap breaching scandal, whatever you want to call that, happens. Yep. Is that all intertwined? Sounds like management. Didn't have their shit together.
3: Yeah, pretty much. And that, and I think that was the thing um, afterwards because I was like, well, if it was after, a, a, if money was an issue, why was it that never discussed? I would have been, and I'm not just saying this. Oh, I would have been okay to take a pay card if that's something that was needed. Um, but yeah, and then obviously afterwards, you found out that it was there was a salary cap breach which had started in 2018. Um, yeah, so it was all a complete. Balls up. Oh, I didn't know that. Obviously, as a player, I've got no idea what dollars and cents. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah. Like,
2: uh, not, not did you know, because I assume it's like any other sport, players don't know what's going on with nah. the books. But uh, what about on reflection then, what's that sort of knowing that, that the, the club was effectively forging the books and, and paying people what they shouldn't have been paying? What's that feel like as a player who was in, involved at the time? And you'd know a lot of players that were too.
3: Oh, um. I I couldn't believe it to be honest and yeah, it's obviously incredibly disappointing and I think, you know, looking back now, particularly the girls who were then, who were still there and had been involved in those subsequent years because they ended up losing um, because a lot of the those deals were um, external employment things and... Um, yeah, and like, yeah, additions, yeah. Yeah, and other additions um, that hadn't then been signed off on or been put forward to the league. Um, so then those players ended up losing out on, well, what they thought were genuine job opportunities and that were all above board, additional money um, that they thought they would have been earning um, for then the following year when they still had a contract in place. So, yeah, it's not great um, and... It, obviously puts um a few question marks over your intention of why you would stay around, you know, a business that then is doing that to their players.
2: Yeah. It was so kind of weird. Uh, yeah.
0: I was to say. so, I mean, it's sort of easy in hindsight to look back and be like, I'm glad I didn't stay around at that time. But do you feel that, like, that you sort of got lucky and that you didn't get involved in that sort of whole...
3: Dare, dare I say, I'm really, in a lot of ways, we didn't win the grand final. Um, Knowing that, because if we had... You would expect that the league would have stripped the grand final yeah. off the club, and the pl- like. At the end of the day, it's the pl- like the players, and to have had that happen, that would have just been absolutely horrible. Because, um, said what you go through to win a premiership for, and sometimes it takes a bloody long time for that to happen. Um, yeah, I think that's probably a big relief that we didn't win that grand final. Looking back,
2: yeah, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because that you would have been stripped of it.
3: No doubt. Oh, no doubt. And a lot of people even sit there and question what the penalty if the penalty was harsh enough. Um, for what was the penalty again? It was a few hundred thousand dollars. Some of that I think half of that was suspended. Was they tr- then got
2: 300,
3: 300 yeah. Mm-hmm. And they got ducted twelve points. Twelve points. But they still ended up keeping they made finals that year. They fever got to keep the, the same year. yep. They got to keep um well the yeah, when they the season that they got twelve points. They'd made that up within the first sort of four. Is right, it four, four points? win. four points, four a win. points for yeah. a win. Yeah. So they were then, and they made finals that that year. Um, whereas I think it was at Melbourne Storm. They also then had to completely change their playing list. So a lot of people were wondering whether or not, um, well they still kept the same team? Yeah. Um, was it severe enough? I don't know.
2: Do you have reflections now that your careers? Finished, or can I ask this now? Is your career finished? <laughs> is your is your career finished? That matters.
3: <laughs> um, in the national league sense, yes.
2: Are you making a comeback anywhere <laughs> yeah, in particular? It's, it's not, mate, what? Oh, just asking. <laughs> I'm, no. I'm so asking. Like,
3: we're having words. Um, <laughs> um, I don't. To be honest, I more so now. I've probably looked at my finishing my career with a bit of regret um and just wondering whether I did actually finish a year or two early I do not expect or think that there is any hope in hell in me going back and playing national league netball um but there's a part of me that would like to go back and play at some level um yeah what
2: would stop you playing in the national league would it be speed? would it be I uh, know oh I think
3: it'd be everyone else yeah right yeah like what I and I and I would 100% get it I don't think what am I I'm Nudging 30, I'd be 39 next year. You're not, no one would give that up for a young kid.
2: Yeah. So you finish your career at Magpies, which is backdoored into COVID, um, which COVID, I yeah, I don't really want to speak about COVID, but it's also, um, you fall pregnant with your now son, Edison, um, and you've got a second Harriet now. So, What's that time like at the back end of your career, stepping away to become a mother?
3: Um, it was weird. The last year, so 2019, um, which was obviously my first my first year at Collingwood. Um, we knew we wanted a family, and for us to be able to do that, I needed help to fall pregnant. So, towards the back end of 2019, I started. Um, a form of fertility treatment to try and fall pregnant, which obviously um, was successful. And then um, pregnant with Edison and with COVID, it pushed the season back. So then initially thinking that there was no hope in hell of me getting to play in 2020, there was then this glimmer of hope of going, oh, I might actually be able to actually play my career a play um the season and i didn't know at that point if that was going if 2020 was going to actually be my last year thought fair chance it was um so was trying to get back to play um i'd ended up having an emergency season as well i was back training pretty quickly um i was cleared to go to queensland and play in the hub wow um
2: how long after you'd given birth
3: um, this is about seven or so weeks. That's
2: crazy. And
3: <laughs> um, But we couldn't get, yeah, Sam up there. So And there was no way after everything we'd be, been through with COVID um, yes. over there. And then obviously with the young family to separate us and I would have needed a carer um, up there, which is what as a part of the pregnancy policy you do get, um, a carer that's supported to go with you, um, with your child. So, yeah, then in the end um, and after a few few comments then decided um, I was done.
2: That's something that men don't have to deal with, stepping away from sport to, you know, be pregnant, be mothers. Do you have thoughts on that and the stresses involved for female athletes?
3: Oh, it was um, – yeah, it was insanely stressful. And I think my situation was probably a lot different to maybe a lot of other mothers that have had to do it um, in a normal season. Yeah. Um, I had – there was no um, – all the medical team for, the f- um, for Collingwood were either in the hub or our club doctor lived in um, Geelong and because of not being able to travel and all of those sorts of things, um, I was basically trying to go through it. All on my own and get myself fit and um, and ready and all of those sorts of things um, and it, I think the thing that really hurt the most was with a women's sport you would expect that you have the true genuine support of all the other women that are involved and that is actually not the case so I know there are some people now that um, whether there's some people in administration that they don't get this or feel supported in being around netball with their kids there or travelling with them. Um, I was told um, that me going into a hub with Sam Edison um, and because there's obviously costs, even though that was supported, um, that I'd be ruining it for all future mums because of the costs incurred for me to go up there. And that was the biggest thing that they ended up breaking breaking me yeah. um, and what ultimately said, I'm done with this. Um, and so decided to retire.
2: It sounds like you've had a lot of frustrations with hierarchy effectively of netball. and So that's to do with pregnancy there. But, um, you know, so selection and uh, rules and payment of players, you know, your role as president of the, forgotten, the amper. amper. Like, do you, do you as a whole look at netball and feel like it could be in a better place? Because I look at it, and it's an incredibly popular sport, for, especially for girls around this country, yet it doesn't sit where I think it probably should in terms of viewership and and popularity on the main stage. Can you speak to like netball as a whole and your frustrations with it and how it can be fixed? Yeah. That's a big question. But
3: um, Yeah, and I think that's the thing, being in it so much and from obviously just not only as a player but then, as you said, with Amper and probably having a bit more of an understanding of the things that go on and um, – some of the management and the discussions and the, all those sorts of things. It's absolute frustration to see that our sport is where it is when I think it can be so much more. Um, There's still a lot of questions around what we're doing with our pathways and um, where that is at the moment and what we're doing there. Um, Obviously our national league which I love and I think it should stay the same in terms of having unlimited imports but it's changing what then is coming through and particularly when there's other sports such as AFL, cricket, you've got women's soccer, that are all doing so so well. Um, netball is dropping off, and we're still constantly saying, "Oh, we're the number one women's sport." And I'm like, "Are we?" Mm. Because I don't think that we are, and not with the leadership that we currently have, and with decisions that are being made. Um, yeah, it just I really question the health of netball going forward.
2: Uh, can you? Do you have solutions off the top of your head? How how could it get better? How how could they? If they aren't the number one sport, which I agree with you, I don't think they are anymore, how, how does it get back to that?
3: I think they need to get back to what we're doing with our pathways. Um, a lot of that's fallen off So and development in our grass, grassroots programs. Obviously, these other sports coming through, and particularly AFL, I think because they are new, they're putting so much more emphasis into grassroots sports, whereas netball I think is taking that for granted a lot more, and I think the biggest thing is even how we market ourselves at the elite level. We're targeting young girls, and I'm sorry, but you see what's happening with the NBL in particular. It's very much a adult, but they still appeal to the young kids as well. But um, for a netball, that's like a whole market that we just don't really engage properly. Um, you adults. know, adults to come to our game and make netball a spectacle. Where you know, come to the. Uh, elite game of netball and enjoy a few drinks and a night out and then go out in the town and do whatever like they have Mm. with the basketball it's you know they've got My Little Pony and which is you know great great for the the young girls but there's also a massive market of adults that actually need to be engaged as well
2: that's interesting um Perth's gonna host the grand final (laughs) How about that? Eh? Rumor has it, yeah. Perth is hosting the grand final now. For those listening that don't understand, the uh, there's been quite a bit of noise in Netball Land this this week, especially. <laughs> it's it's all it's always in one of the home clubs' states, right? Is that how it's gone in the past? Yes. And and people know where it's going to be a fair way out. Now this year, uh, without any consultation, I believe with the players or coaches. Uh, nepal australia have effectively tendered out the grand final to different states in australia and perth um, has i think rightfully so come out (laughs) paid a bit of money got the state government behind it and got the grand final here so we may not see the west coast fever in that grand final we may but it's unlikely given they're standing on the ladder so there's been a lot of controversy because basically the leg just said well they didn't say anything Right, They didn't, they didn't communicate. <laughs> they they didn't. just did
3: what they wanted to do. Yep. Yep. So normally the winner of the major semi, so 1v2, um, hosts the right. grand final. Um, so it's always been that way except for the last couple of years like when them. the hub... And you the win
2: hub, the right to it's yep. home ground advantage. Yeah,
3: home, gra- um, home ground advantage, exactly right. And then two weeks out from finals, um, yes, Netball Australia, throw this out there without any consultation and the deal is only worth $650,000. It's 300 grand cash and almost ha- and the reasons they're doing it is um, because of they're saying financial reasons, which I question. But then if they're that cash poor, half of that money, almost half of that cash component, so they is going to play. So players have never been given um or clubs a winning fee or even a grand final fee so the losing club's also going to get money um but that need of cash that they've had to make this decision two weeks out and the way in which they've done it that they're then going to give half of the money the cash money that they get to players so why have they done it i don't know
2: (laughs) (laughs) and is that the issue because the players have come out strongly and so, you know, so there's been a statement by the by your players' association saying that like, we don't, we don't want to be associated with the league. Effectively, like it's it's civil war. Yeah, it's, and it's big.
3: Yeah, it's massive, and because these things have happened in the past as well. So there was the two point shot, which was brought in five weeks before the season started, which obviously impacts the players. No consultation, no consultation with clubs, umpires. Five anything. weeks
2: out from the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so this just is to two start years ago. It? What?
3: Yeah, and it never been practiced or trialed in a pre-season competition. That's or anything. ridiculous. Bang. Yep, this is what it that's is. That's not a
2: rule change. That's a game that changes oh, the game. Ma-
3: yeah, massive. And the way in which teams even recruit players, because it, what sort of shooters do you want then for your team?
2: Five weeks out, you yeah, can't change that, right? No.
3: Nah. Um, so that that was a big, obviously. That's has sort of started it, and then there's been things over the last 2 years and then this one so the playing groups completely um, had enough they reportedly had um, a meeting on the tuesday which was deemed to be a consultation with the playing group but the deal had already been done so it was a presentation yeah but it they still try but yeah. they still yeah said to the, no, to pre- pre- the playing this group this is what we're doing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no vote just yeah. that's what we're doing yeah. yeah have a good day so well the players were still in that meeting thinking it was a consultation and then afterwards after the meeting they found out that it was a done deal
2: okay now uh, wait, we're <laughs> gonna keep moving it sounds like an absolute
3: oh, I just, I,
0: just <laughs> the, the two-point shot thing so you were playing at that time when that got introduced
3: yes i never got to play it because it came in in 2020 so i never played the 2020 right. season okay but i remember walking out to a training session at um collingwood and i was obviously heavily pregnant and i remember seeing this arc this second ring and i was like what's that like, That's a two point shot. I was like, "You're kidding me!" I was like, "Shoot! Goal shooters should be shooting that with their eyes closed." It was literally like about a meter out. It was a It was so close. I thought oh, that just makes an absolute joke. Had someone joke. like
2: taped it on with a bit of masking tape. Yeah,
3: pretty much at this point. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Like, they would have not, not known about <laughs> yeah. it. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right.
2: So, would you? Were you a longer shooter or a shorter shooter? Would that have? Yeah, suited no, you? that would have suited me. Right. Yeah. So you 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 were actually, even though it's a shit rule, you're like, why didn't you bring that in about five <laughs> years ago? would have doubled yeah. my point score yeah, at every week. exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah. I just want to ask you about retirement and, and life post-netball and like a total reflection on your sporting career. So you, you're retired now. How's net for post-netball <laughs> life been like and how do you reflect back on your career? You said a bit regretful to finish.
3: Yeah, um, I'd say it's probably been the last few months that I've looked probably back a bit more on my career and I don't know if it's been – involved in some of the, the commentary and being around it and watching the game and I sit there and I'm like, come on guys, it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's not that hard. Um, then that, that I sort of get that itch and think, oh God, I wish I was still out, pl- out there playing. Um, obviously, a lot of the other stuff, I'm glad I'm not a part of, but I really miss game day and being a part of that and it's just something that you. I don't think you can really replicate anywhere else in your life once you finish playing. Um, I've been really lucky. I think since I retired, um, I got to work with Com Games Australia, um, which was a phenomenal experience. First one out because I think that was the biggest thing that worried me was oh my gosh, what was I going to do if I retired? Um, and at that point as well, it was amongst COVID when it, there were so many jobs being lost. Um, so I was really fortunate with that and then even coming back here um, to Perth with job opportunities. But um, it's been interesting. I think every day, um, I must admit, nine to five, I've, I understand why people have Friday night drinks. <laughs> I get it.
2: And you've got two kids as well. I get it.
3: I'm, I'm so there for that. Um, and I was really shattered off and be, was um, being pregnant for most of the last <laughs> two years and being in retirement. I had an elite Shut gin. Shut your ears, kids. I had an elite <laughs> gin stash and it's all gone and now that I can actually have a drink um, and it was all butsy. He, I was going to say, he, who stole that? <laughs> he <laughs> polished that off. Um, but, yeah, no, I certainly understand, um, yeah, Friday night drinks and enjoying them. But um, my, I look back at my actual playing career and – um, it sort of blows my mind that I was a part of what I was. Um, there's certainly things that I wish at the time I probably didn't take, not take for granted, um, but was more present when I was there in those moments um, and some of the tours and those sorts of things. But, yeah, it was pretty remarkable to look back when you think of how many players still have played for their country for netball and to have been one of them um, across – as long as Australian netball's been going, or international netball's, yeah, pretty remarkable.
2: Give yourself credit where credit's due. You're one of the best to ever do a sport ever. Mm. No, we are. We are. You Don't get <laughs> to say no. Yeah, so well, bloody done. Oh, it's a great career. Fucking <laughs> great career. Now. Unless you got anything else, we've got something for you. Social media.
3: Oh, God, I've been hearing about this for years. Social
2: media. That's <laughs> yes. exactly right. Everyone's Four heard years. about it. Nat, Nat hit me yeah. up, actually. I said, I'd oh, love to have you as a guest. And she's like, only if we do social media. <laughs> they did.
0: Sure. You did not say that.
2: Right. So this is where. All right. Uh, yeah, this those. is where we, we get the people. Ask you the questions. We've Dan and I've done our best, but realistically, this is for the people, by okay. the people. Yep. It's it's, yep. it's an amazing segment. The
0: cameo, um, cameo, kindly
2: come bit, on board. Yeah, cameos is looking after us. Uh, we'll do the quick shout out to cameo, but we'll move on.
3: Hyperbodycles ha-
2: isn't. Hyperbuticles Is has it? not no. been continued. and <laughs> It's, Big it's Batchat, featured
0: once in the last year. Big
2: Batchats fans will be absolutely giving you severe credit for that because mm-hmm. there's been a few people calling for it. But I did ask Batsy about Hyperbuticles when he came on and he couldn't remember what the segment was about. <laughs> yeah, So that about sums up how good that segment yeah. was.
0: I, I read it out as – I was reading it, <laughs> Hyperbuticles, and then we were like, oh, God.
2: Hyperbuticles. All yeah. right, very good. <clears throat> so, social media. Let's get into it because I know you have to be out of here by – in about 10 minutes, I think. Oh, I don't the know how long we chat the, the time you told me, I just, I'm just trying to feign what time we're recording okay, this. Okay, great. But the time you told me is 10 minutes away.
3: Okay, cool. Is we're it, all good. Is that
2: a hard out or are we? Are no, we're just, good. Okay, good. Yeah, Have we're it. good. All right. T, double underscore, dizzy, triple underscore. We give extra points for underscores, okay? <laughs> uh,
0: who would make a better netball player out of Will or Dan and why?
3: Oh, um, she, she <laughs> answer, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um maybe can make, I a case, sco- make a case for Dan. Uh, yeah, d- i don't think d- it. well it depends on if there's a Maureen um, umpiring. That might, <laughs> that might that might send you back. You play, might Dan? be out of what, play. What position would he play? Um you'd you'd be through the midcourt so I'd probably yep. need to test your skills. Although I was gonna say people probably think a wing defence, but a good wing defence is hard to come by, so I don't know if you've got any Defensive game to you? Oh, you. Like i, I, I seen
0: goal defence. That's my sweet spot. Goal defence. Right, oh, okay, right. How do you feel about that, now? Goal defence.
3: I'm so concerned about yes. your stature. Yes. Vertically <laughs> challenged? Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, <laughs> the, it's the leap. It's oh, the leap. Oh, you got the hops, right. Yeah, it's okay. about
2: positioning, though, mate. Yeah, positioning, the you leap. You say you were a short goal attack, though, so maybe...
3: Can, you can jump? Okay. Right,
2: white Could, men, white yeah. men cannot jump. We'll start,
3: we'll start you on the wing, I'll, we'll I'll, start on the wing and I'll we'll see what you can do. I play a lot of basketball,
0: so that's, yeah. Okay. I feel like the, yeah, anyways, Where would anyways, I play? A yeah. back line.
2: No,
3: I'm going to put you out of goal attack and I'm nah, going to, no, and nah, nah. let's just see what you can do there. I'm
2: never playing offence forward. My days as a backman will continue. <laughs> uh, Jess Flay underscore.
0: Uh, was there any warm-up slash a uh, practice drill you absolutely hated during uh, doing over your career?
3: Oh, static stretching. Um, I hated all warm-ups. I just found them really boring. The jogging up and down, the hamstring stretches, just all of it. Just wanted to play. I just wanted to play. I was like, <laughs> let's just get to the good stuff.
2: Yes, I love that. Underscore May underscore.
0: Uh, Mrs. Butsy for the inside Butsy goss. Is he really a loud peer? He seemed to lack that particular courtesy previously.
3: Okay, so do you need a bat? No. You know, okay, so okay. I Sorry. saw. Well, I I did because I saw that question come through and I screenshot it and I said <laughs> to Butsy, "I was like, <laughs> explain yourself." And I was like, "And how does she know about you peeing? <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, so and how-
3: it, he said it started something about Duggo being a loud peer because he just he's like. Be a gentleman and don't go straight into the yeah, water. Yeah.
2: Look, we had a big debate on back chat, OG back chat, about where you actually wee. Where target? Yeah. yeah is it the back? Is it the back corner? Is it the back wall? Is it in the middle? And Batsy was speaking about in the middle like forcefully, loud and, forcefully <laughs> loud. and so it went for like a month about Butsy's pee regime. So that is what uh, that is what Laura is talking about. It say he he, no, he's
3: saying that that's rude. It's incredibly rude to do that.
2: All oh, right. So Yeah. So so he, uh, uh,
3: oh, yeah. So and like, and I, I can't say I'm really lurking around the toilet when he's when that's, that's, there. That's, so um, I don't know. Okay,
2: thank you. That's very fine. good. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, st- <laughs> thank you for the clarification. Um, no, just yeah. answer that. Maga.
0: 3 <laughs> MAGA 2 MAGA 1 is taken <laughs> sorry uh, who's your Magga. favourite person from Gawler South Australia
3: anyone that's not him <laughs>
2: MAGA is a friend of Sam Butler's who's yeah. from Gawler it be B's
3: wife Lauren
0: oh, there you
2: go MAGA shouldn't have even got a berth on this the <laughs> underscore J you would be happy with that shout
0: out <laughs>
3: underscore Jaden uh,
0: what is something great that WA has in which Victoria doesn't
3: beaches Okay. Sunshine, <laughs> the sun in general.
2: Oh, uh, that's very good. Uh, uh, let's see what you like with this. Taz Pratt's first one.
0: Okay, uh, what would your social netball team name be? Oh,
2: that's a hard one. Actually, off the top, you only any Like, yeah, is that a the is the that hyperbo- thing? That people the hyperbarticles
0: <laughs> in in the social netball leagues? Do they go with like netball puns, like the nets or something? Uh. Oh, that's not even a pun. Like, um, Nats, ob- Nats
3: Nets, Nuffies,
2: Net, I mean, Nats, Netball. Nuffies. Okay, Did you say yeah. Nuffies, yeah, Nuffies. Great. Yeah. That, I good. love that, that's perfect. And then the last one from the same person, Taz Pratt's. Uh,
0: what is sideline commentating
2: like? You
3: mean, oh. You've been,
2: been seeing your head on TV a bit, yeah. Like
3: Hello, <laughs> um, it's good. Um, I enjoy it. It's, um, it's a lot hard. I remember the first time I was involved in commentary, I don't know if you would say the same, but from the outside, it's pretty easy to use god that looks easy anyone could do that why yeah. are they stuff up or blah 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 um and people bag things but it's yeah it's pretty pretty intense um and the commentators doing a phenomenal job but i'm enjoying it and it's good to be as i said in and amongst the action and and seeing what's going on i feel like a right creep hanging around the huddles to try and listen in <laughs> yeah what's that like because
2: you've been out there
3: i know and i'm like that's sitting there probably just thinking just wanting me to bugger off and i'm sitting there sticking my head in do you get
2: much access do you get much player access
3: um they're actually pretty good so they generally like when they have their huddles during the timeouts or breaks they generally let you in pretty close but i actually feel i feel awkward i'm like they don't want me sticking my head in there um and yeah so the clubs are actually pretty good and i think this year with what um, broadcast is trying to do, the clubs are giving you a lot more access. So. It does
2: look better from afar. It looks like it's it's better coverage. Um Yeah, like I said, I've seen your head up there a little bit, which is probably a positive, I'd yeah. say, a very yeah. big positive. Oh, thank you. But it's a weird feeling, hey? Yeah. I, I feel the same when I'm out in the field. I do the specials and stuff for Fox, and it just feels weird, like interviewing a player out in the ground. Yeah. The first time I did it, I actually had this – like, it was actually exciting for me. I don't know. <laughs> I, I do feel weird, but I also – I was interviewing, I don't know, Jack Steele from the St Kilda Captain, who I'd played on. Like, And so it shouldn't have been exciting, but I was like, oh, I get to interview the <laughs> yeah. St Kilda Captain here. Hello. Hello.
3: And I, I just football tro- player. I yeah. just try not to say the real cliche, annoying questions that you used to get as a player and be like, really? You're asking me that?
2: Yeah, do you use that? Because you're writing for Code Sports as well. You've very successfully writing for Code Sports, I might add. Oh, thank you. Your name um, comes up in meet and date <laughs> meetings quite a lot. <laughs> Do you try to do that? Yeah. Do you try and do that that player element? Yeah. Try to use your seven eight years of experience in the game to actually write opinions that are player orientated and asking players those sort of questions too.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think that's the beauty of um, and Batsy and I've spoken about this um, around having someone who hasn't been long out of the game because you do have a very different perspective and insight, and you still, I guess, feel quite connected to the game and what's happening and you see things differently. So, um, yeah, it's good, I think, to be able to actually shed a light on that side of it rather than being so far removed, which is good.
2: This one's a good one. T double underscore dizzy triple underscore. It's back
3: for another. Uh, What's Mad Monday like? Oh, um, depends on the club, but mostly it's pretty tame, I must admit. Um, Really? Yeah, there's like... There's not a lot of end of season trips that ever really happen. Um, it can be pretty loose, I must, <laughs> but I don't think nothing like what football ha- does. Yeah,
2: yeah, you've got the unique, you know, experience yeah. that you know what Mad Monday is from a football sense. well, at yeah. least as a partner that you don't yeah. see to for quite a long time.
3: Yeah, so I just it's generally I must the big ones that I've had have always only just been after a World Cup. Like they've been loose, they've been good. Any, but even any stories for us? N- no. Okay. No. <laughs> Just twelve girls, loose. you know, <laughs> hanging around. Um, look, we've lost. There's players who've been lost. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> oh, it's like in <laughs> international countries. Yeah. <laughs> don't name the player. Tell me about.
2: Don't don't say the no player's name.
3: Um, we had to send a player home because she was. Far too intoxicated, far too early in the night and then didn't want to go home. Ended up jumping on the back of a scooter, taking off from the players who were taking her home and they had no idea where she was. For how long? Oh, not until the next morning. (sighs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But found. Found and with a um, way her then... Finding a, a a love note from someone <laughs> that she didn't remember was there. Oh
2: boy! Yeah. Okay. Yep. But she's alive and kicking. Alive okay. and kicking. Very good. Yep. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, this will go last. Last one. Tash Robinson. Uh,
0: sure. Yep. What was your biggest failure in netball, and how did it help you?
3: Oh, biggest failure. Um, to be honest, probably. I think what happened to me in 2009 with leaving this strange sort of failure one, but leaving Adelaide Thunderbirds um, was really hard and the way in which I left wasn't great and I think that had a real impact on me. Um, As I said, there was a lot of things that I struggled with, but um in terms of me then leaving clubs which is you touched on at the start I played for quite a few it then just made me very um I think self-aware of how I wanted to then leave relationships um and then going forward so that was probably the biggest thing Adelaide Thunderbirds I think it was really horrible um it was quite a hard thing for me to then move on so I didn't want to have that happen again um Yeah, so even I know people say a lot of things around with what happened with West Coast Fever and still when stuff happens, they think that there's a lot of resentment that I have and I actually don't, even irrespective of what actually happened and those relationships with the people that were involved, like with Stacey, who was the coach at the time, they're great and I think that was a very deliberate thing from my end to make sure, because to help me move on and just get on with business.
0: It's good. Mm. If you're going to play for anyone, would it be for West Coast Fever? Mm. Like um, if you, if, oh, you, if you, oh, you mounted a comeback,
3: oh, I'd, I'd one hundred percent play for West Coast Fever.
0: Yeah,
2: is, is it a zero percent chance that you come back and play in the? What, have netball? you started
3: doing All stuff? I'm like, are you getting out. down to the court? And oh no, no, I'm out running and doing stuff. And he's um, put a ring, but I think that's more for his enjoyment rather than mine. Netball ring at okay. home. Okay, so you're
2: running, and then you're going to start shooting soon. Two pointers.
3: Yeah, yeah two pointers. Um, the chances of me playing national netball are zero because. Okay. Whilst I, as I said, I sit there and I think I can play. Yes. The coaches would be go. we don't want this geriatric.
2: Imagine if she just made a comeback though. Imagine if we just put that to 1% and we <laughs> bought her back. One.
3: We'll one. go one. I'll give you one.
2: Yeah, we got a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> all right, Nat. Uh, that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much. You've had an incredible career. It's been a great chat. Your microphone talent has been mm, next on point. level. Oh, better yes. than Dennis Kennedy. Level.
3: That's all I've been thinking about, guys.
2: Um, and you are now, well, it's, it's always beneficial, but you are the highest mm. echelon sports person in the Butler household. <laughs> so congratulations.
3: Uh, great achievement.
2: Um, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. It's very much thanks to our sponsors, mm. who I forgot to mention off the top of this show, so I'm going to have to remedy, remedy that. Whippersnapper Whiskey. A little bit too early for a whiskey right now, but yep. that's okay. <laughs> uh, Shelter Brewing Co., Again, a little mm. too early. We love them, but a little too early. Uh, Blue Bet, our betting partners at Blue Bet. Might have to start working a couple of little netball multis in. Uh, we get some we get some inside <laughs> word from Nat yeah. after she's heard them in the middle of the huddles, and we get that working <laughs> along. Cameo Australia, who I don't think Nat's on yet. We might have to sign you up. And Margaret River Roasting Co, our, our coffee providers. Not too early for a coffee. Yeah, we
0: did have, we did have a couple before. Beautiful
2: coffee. Um Thanks to all our sponsors. You know where to find us. Backchatpodcast.com.au. You can send us an email. Hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. Find us on socials. Backchat double underscore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And um, that's it. We're done. Sign up to Patreon. Find us on YouTube.
1: (laughs) A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend.